Hello and welcome to Policy Pod, a podcast from the University of Southampton's Knowledge Brokerage Unit, Public Policy Southampton. My name is Giles, I'm your host, and I have the pleasure of leading Public Policy Southampton, where we work to enhance the local, subnational, national and international policy impacts of research conducted at the University of Southampton. In this episode, I'm joined by Jakob Biak, who is a Professor of Statistical Demography at the University of Southampton. Hi, Jakob. It's great to speak to you. Hello, everyone. A pleasure to take part in this, in this podcast series. Who are you and what do you do? I'm, I'm Jakub Biak. I'm a statistical demographer and sort of being a demographer, a bit of demographics from me. I'm married with, with two kids. I'm a migrant myself, having done several migrations over the, over the past decade and a half. My scientific background is in, in economics and, and quantitative methods, and although the, I, I sort of moved towards statistical demography over the course of my career. So I have 20 years of work experience in, in both in academia and international civil service, which is I try to connect the, 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 the things that we do in research projects with, with the things that might end up being useful for, for the policymakers and the wider society. That's brilliant, thank you. Tell us more about your particular research interests, Jakob. I started, my, my professional career started from looking at the and the demography of conflict and violence. This was the UN Yugoslavia Tribunal in The Hague. But since I moved towards towards more formal demography, looking at population projections and forecasts, population dynamics, including aging and the challenges of aging, and then finally migration, that this time became the main topic of my and my thread of my research interests. And given that migration is so complex and so uncertain, you know, this was not a topic that I could really tackle with or grapple with without a foray into the into the methodology so so my other my other side of my research interest has to do with with the methods the methods for assessing uncertainty in demographic processes and chiefly in in migration with methods for estimation and forecasting and and recently for simulation methods such as such as agent based models where you simulate artificial societies and hope that they will provide you with some useful insights into how real world behaves. How does the QuantMIC program fit into these methods and what's the substantive work that you've been doing? This was actually a golden opportunity to, to, to link the different things and different threads from throughout my career that I was I was thinking about for, for quite a while now but never actually had a chance and space and scope to develop them more fully. So things to do with uncertainty of migration in specifically. So what where the opportunity arose was when, when the, the, the European Commission announced funding for projects specifically looking at migration scenarios under the under the Horizon 2020 umbrella. We put in a bid for that and we managed to, to get a project funded. This is the, the, the Quantumic project, so quantifying uh, migration scenarios for, for better policy. And it's a relatively, as far as European projects go, it's a, it's a small-ish consortium. So there's seven, seven institutions led by the University of Southampton, and we also have an external, uh, external partner in, in Canada. But this is, this is something that, you know, this, this timely opportunity came about chiefly in response to the uh, European migration crisis of 2015-2016. So, so, you know, in a sense, all the, all the stars were... Uh, aligned for us in order to, to, to be able to do this work and also to hope that this work will have will have actual uh, real world uh, real world impact and that it will be it will be noticed and and hopefully picked up on 
Tell me a bit more about this project. What are the research aims and what's the design that you're looking for? What we set out to do in, in QuantMIC is to, to develop tools for building migration scenarios and migration forecasts and migration early warnings at the shorter end of the time spectrum and crucially to assess the uncertainty across the range of time horizons so this is this is all designed for the for the for the policymaker to have a to have a toolbox from which depending on the purpose they could choose an element that might be that might be useful for them so you know one one thing that became clear during the 2015-16 European so-called migration crisis was that the response to the asylum seekers who were, who were applying for asylum uh, coming from, from Syria and other countries who were applying for asylum in Europe needed to be much proactive rather than, rather than just responding to what was happening on the ground. So, so that shifted a perspective from the, from the sort of backward-looking to the forward-looking forward response to, to, to migration events. But at the same time, so that, and this is this is the kind of more operational side of things, where you have to make sure that that people who apply for asylum, who come to Europe, you know, they have they have food, they have shelter, uh, their applications can be processed in a in a timely manner. But of course, there is the other end of the spectrum. So there are the long-term strategic decisions about that that need migration as an input. So here here we enter into the realm of scenarios proper. And of course, for the, for the scenarios to work, they, they, they all first need to be imaginative enough so to, 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 to really stretch the, the imagination of the, of the decision makers as to what might be pos possible or plausible in the, in the future. But at the same time, warn them that there is this big uncertainty lurking, uh, lurking in, the, in the shadows and it, it's, it's just a, a feature of the migration system. So as, as you know, computer develop, software developers would, would tell you, it's a feature, not a bug. I mean, we have to live with uncertainty and the question is how to do it. And that brings me to the project design. So the, the focus of the, of the QuantMIC project is, as the name says, or as the acronym says, it's, it's quantitative and it has a strong methodological edge. But at the same time, we aim for having really strong conceptual and theoretical foundations when it comes to, to migration studies. And we have a fantastic experts in, expertise in the consortium. Altogether, this will help us, we hope, answer the how question, how are we to, going to prepare uh, the scenarios for future migration, ideally in such a way that, uh, that it helps the decision makers. It sounds like QuantMIC was well established and rumbling forward in the right direction and then COVID strikes. How did the QuantMIC respond to the COVID challenge? Yes, yeah, so, so th this is actually quite an interesting, quite an interesting angle. Because as, as you say, I mean, we, we managed to, to have about, so we were about a month into the project after we started. So we started February last, last year. So after a month uh, and after having a very successful kickoff meeting, we had to move everything online within the, within the project. But of course, the, the big uncertainty is about what's happening to migration now and what, what might happen to migration in the future, both short-term future and long-term future. And what is happening to migration now, we, we sort of see, although we see through very imperfect instruments. So the, the, the measurements that we, that we can get hold of when it comes to migration are, of course, can be biased. By, and and, and the, the, the fact that you know, what we can see is that travel is down, international traffic is down, hence migration will be expected to be down as well. But by how much, we don't quite know yet. We don't know 
how many people who were planning to make an international move, for example, have cancelled their plans altogether or have just postponed that decision until such time when the situation improves a bit. So, so there are all these uncertainties already in the, in the now, in the what is going on on the, on the ground. What is, what is going on to, to happen in the, in the long term is equally interesting because what we are seeing at the same time is a shift from sort of the more traditional established uh, way of working and moving across distances to, to the, the proliferation of the, of the well, new or not so new forms such as online and teleworking. Whether this uh, will take some part of the of the migration in the in the future is a big question mark you know the, the, the obvious the obvious scenarios to be explored one way or the other but the interesting part is that this is actually not a not a new idea already in the in the 1970s uh, an american geographer will Brzezinski, mentioned about the possible bifurcation uh, of future migration trends uh, depending on whether to what extent they will be substituted by uh, by telecommunication and and remote working, and I think now we are at the crossroads. So 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 after the after the, after the pandemic, where the world will end up, right? Will will the remote work become much more established a norm, almost also across international boundaries, or will be a return more or less to the to the world as we knew it before the the COVID pandemic strikes? So so this is. Uh, uh, this is another sort of interesting angle on, on, on that. So, Jakob, we've spoken a little about uncertainty in modelling, and clearly it's a big challenge to be able to truly articulate uncertainty in a way that can be understood. Do you think the level of public understanding about uncertainty has changed during the COVID crisis? Actually, it's a very important point, because what we have, what we have seen, I think, during the, during the pandemic, as the pandemic unfolded, is that that the, the very notion of uncertainty, the very notion of you know the future being open and not predictable, really finding its way to the to the public public consciousness, and the same holds for things like trade-offs, right? People started appreciating more the fact that you know that that first the science is not perfect. There are things that we we don't know, and there are things that we won't be able ever to know. Second, that there are, there are trade-offs between the options, policy options involved. Third, that this doesn't absolve the, the decision-makers from, from having to make, make difficult decisions, as long as everyone is open about the, 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 the evidence and the ramifications. That's, that's the best we can, we can hope for. So, so what, what, is, what is going on here? I think that, that the lived experience that, that pretty much everyone has, living through an through a uncertain pandemic, you know, if there is a silver lining to that, I would I would think that there is a there is a hope that that the the, the whole understanding of the notion of uncertainty and complexity, and the relationships between evidence and decisions is 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 much better. So so in the future we can hope for for better quality debate in in many areas, not only in relation to to pandemic, but also migration and and many other many other things. So to to me this is, there is a quite an interesting quite an interesting distinction uh, between the sort of failures to predict and failures, failures to act and the, the sort of useful animal metaphors so the, the, there's the, the black swan by, by Nassim Taleb the, the unpredictable events that can have uh, severe consequences but there is recently that emerged a grey rhino so uh, an event that is predictable a term coined by Michel Walker uh, uh, an event that is predictable but 
if uh, the policymakers, the decision makers are complacent and, and ignore the, the, the event that's unfolding for too long, then it can have grave consequences. And I, I, think, I think we are really getting at least some more understanding of this process, sort of links between the uncertain events and the policy responses, you know, and what is, what is required, just not to miss the opportunity. And can you guide us through what you want to support policymakers with? Sure, and, and actually this is, this is quite, a, quite an important area of the project, and it's something that we, that we have tried to embed in, in the work plan from the beginning by, by design. So we have a project partner, Population Europe, a consortium of European demographic institutions based in Berlin, who are responsible for all the public and policy engagement activities with the, within the project. And then the project from the, from the funders' perspective, so from the European Commission side, is also has a, has a designated policy officer who, who supports our work in terms of liaising with, with, the, with the key policy actors. So what we have, what we have envisaged, I mean, it's a, I think what, what we were trying to come up with is a plan for a multi-channel dissemination and engagement. And so, so we, we, are, we are doing policy briefings, we are doing expert meetings and webinars, uh, public debates, everything online now, of course, but uh, but I think that's 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 all for the better because we can we can have wider reach of of the audience, also outside of Europe, which otherwise would be difficult to to reach through more traditional means, and and of course we have this Quantmic Twitter Twitter account also to 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 sort of get more into the into the understanding and expand on the understanding uh, theme, we are also planning to, to develop an educational app for, for secondary schools that would uh, tell about migration and migrant journeys and the, 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 the elements that, that we think are worth flagging in that context, so from the point of view of you know, uncertainty and complexity of what's involved. So, so yeah. To, to, to answer to answer your question, it's a range. It's a range of of different means, and we hope that you know by by doing that, we'll we'll be able to sort of boost our chances of uh, of uh, successful uptake of what we do. And if it's not too soon to think about outcomes, where are you hoping to land with this project and its recommendations? No, it's it's absolutely not too soon. So, so we, it's a three-year project and we are one year in at the moment but in terms of the ambitions for the for the future i think we we have them already quite well formulated they may be quite ambitious but but at the same time i think that that we know where we'd like to where we'd like to to go with the with the project and and sort of its its policy and public engagement angle so so i, I think at the end of the day we'll consider it uh, you know, a successful outcome of the project, if we manage to, to shape the discourse on migration uncertainty, on the need to be prepared, so you know, all, the, all the discussion around preparedness and resilience and uh, the need to keep reserves in order to be able to respond eff effectively to the unknown things that may, may happen, to risk management, all these things in the context of migration. And that, if, if we manage to, to, to sort of get that into the uh, really to the to the public discourse, to the policy discourse, that would be uh, that would be ideal. And and again, the timing the timing seems perfect for that. So 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 you know the, the pandemic and the the 
effects of the pandemic are one thing, but then the effects of the of the migration, the so-called migration crisis is, is is another. So this is still very high on the on the European policy agenda. So both at the European Commission and and you know the the German presidency in the second half of twenty twenty. Uh, during which time the new pact on migration and asylum was adopted, that was in, in September last year, which explicitly includes elements on preparedness and, and foresight. So, you know, and that's exactly the area where we think that we could contribute, and, and it's really exciting to be a part of this conversation. That's great. Thank you for taking us through that whistle-stop tour of Hompmig, Jakob. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks very much. If you want to find out more about QuantMig, links are in the show notes. In the meantime, I've been Giles. This has been Policy Pod. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and recommend wherever you get your podcast. It really does help to make us more visible. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the patience, perseverance, and positivity of Teo Kuriaki in Public Policy Southampton, Kate Briggs Price, and Ben McQuig in Keep Busy Productions. Our music is by University of Southampton composition student Paul Forster. If you want to find out more about our work, you can find us on Twitter at Public Policy UOS, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Public Policy UOS, and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash showcase forward slash Public Policy UOS. Until next time, goodbye! <laughs>